0: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. This is a special episode of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast because it is the introduction of the Unofficial Bengals Network. It's just a bunch of guys that have become really good friends and they're authorities on Cincinnati Bengals. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce each one separately. I'm going to start off with. From Who Day Nation News, the Sports
2: Dudes Hines Show, the man, Jordan Hines. Jordan, how are you today? I'm doing really, really good. I'm really glad to be here, you know, talk about all the drafts and everything like that. I'm really excited.
1: I appreciate it. And Jordan, you know, you were one of the guys that is like a Bengals pioneer on Instagram and social media. You were one of the first major accounts. And even to this day, when I'm looking for really current, in-time Bengals news, I'll go to your page before I go to cincinnatibengals.com because you just seem to be in the know before anyone else is. So your efforts and your presence on social media is appreciated, and you've certainly helped this broadcaster out. Next, I would like to introduce a longtime guest on the Unofficial Bengals podcast, a man that I've been touting as the next great ESPN analyst. It's time for him to have his own show, so I guess this is the beginning of the end for me and this next guest. I would like to welcome, and his show will be called The Big Bengal Theory, Mr. Justin Lacey. Justin, how are you today? I'm doing pretty great, Frank. And, you
3: know, you're too modest in giving me a lot of compliments there early. I'm just, we're happy to get started, and I'm happy to take
1: this to another level. Okay, my next guest, you you've seen on Instagram and Twitter, you see, like, younger people, like, being this virtuoso violinist and pianist and, like... You're just like, how is this guy this good already? Former basketball player, I would like to introduce Chase Yance, and it's from the Cut to the Chase Bengals Blitz podcast. Chase, how are you?
0: Man, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me back on, Frank. Uh, this is so fantastic to have this Bengals Network, the unofficial Bengals Network coming on with this, and, and I appreciate the high mm-hmm. praise, and I'm I'm so excited to get into this.
1: Now next – the last person that I've met out of this, I heard rumors about this guy, that he's edgy, he tells it like it is, he's an encyclopedia of Bengals knowledge, and I was like, yeah, hey, I gotta hear this guy for myself. Sure enough, he's, he lives in Pittsburgh, in enemy territory. He's done most of his damage on Pittsburgh-related podcasts, and it's just like, man, this guy's been working behind enemy lines too long. We had to bring him aboard Friendly Lines and into the unofficial Bengals Network, I would like to introduce the show is going to be called running through the jungle. And don't forget this name either. It's Brandon Harriet. Brandon, how are you today?
4: Uh, Frank, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be surrounded by some orange. Normally, it's this black and gold, which is yellow, by the way, but that's a whole nother subject. So I, I, I'm, I'm happy to be surrounded by some stripes, finally. Uh, and, and I can't wait uh, as, as this grows and blossoms into something really special. Uh, I, I'm honored to be a part of it. Thanks for having me.
1: So first off, I guess the major thing, the draft is very important to what's going on right now, but I want to address the positions that I feel are the biggest needs. Now we can go through the whole roster and there's a dozen positions that we think are in need. I know we have starters everywhere, but there's four positions, maybe five in particular that I think we may need to address earlier than some others Jordan, what do you think about our right tackle situation
2: and what we should do about it? This is really interesting because I don't really feel like we thought we were going to be in this situation heading into the offseason with signing Orlando Brown and then Jenna Williams requested a trade. And, you know, Jenna Williams, he requests a trade, but to me, I don't think it necessarily means he's going to be traded. When you look at the Bengals, um, they don't often, you know, trade players very often. And if they trade a player, they have to be the clear winner of that trade. And honestly, I don't think Williams will be traded unless they get offered a first, second, or third round pick. I think Williams will be end up playing right tackle for the Bengals up until Leo Collins comes back. Um, I'm not high on drafting a, a right tackle in round one at all. I hate the idea of it. If there's a guy who shouldn't be there, um, I wouldn't be upset if Dewan Jones is there. I'd be fine with that, but we've seen time and time and again this Bengals coaching staff it's not just, you know, one offensive line coach. There's been multiple offensive line coaches, whether it's Jim Turner, Paul Alexander, whoever it is, just cannot develop offensive linemen to save their life. When you look at Cedric Boye, Jake Fisher, Jackson Carmen, Jonah Williams, they've all been terrible. Jonah Williams was a first-round pick back in 2019. He's been a bust, in my opinion. Back-to-back years are giving up at least 10 sacks. So that's kind of the reason why I'm not really sold on drafting a tackle I know Junior Williams was bad at left tackle, and realistically, he's probably not going to be good at right tackle either, but I feel that's probably the most realistic option because I really don't think they're going to trade uh, Williams because, like, when you look at the Bengals, there's been so many times they've had opportunities to get some good value out of players and trading them away. Towards the end of the Marvin Lewis era, the kind of beginning of the Zach Taylor era, they had opportunity to trade Dalton. Atkins, Green, all these guys, and they didn't. They traded Dunlap. They would have got a lot more in return if they traded him years before, but they traded him towards the end, you know, his time with Cincinnati where he wasn't, you know, at the peak of his career. So to me, I think it will be Jonah Williams with, uh, playing right tackle for Cincinnati until Leo Collins uh, comes back from injury. Yeah,
1: and there's a lot of options to choose from at that position right now, but really none of them sound good. And, you know, I I mean, I don't know. I was thinking about possibly grabbing one in the draft, but uh, I hear what you're saying. Are they going to try to shoehorn a second round pick in there where Jonah has, you know, a bunch of NFL stars? So
4: I'm not as opposed to taking somebody in the first round if it's the right guy, um, if you can make a big splash. Uh, which that would mean somebody would have to fall. Darnell Wright from Tennessee, the one who played left tackle for two years, then right tackle for two years. If he would fall to 28, I wouldn't be upset if they took him. But I think. They have to get somebody to fall in order for that to make sense. So I I agree with Jordan there. If that doesn't happen, hands off.
1: All right, let's move on to another important position that no one's really talking about. What are you thinking as far as backup quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals at this point?
3: Well, what the obvious sounds already pointing to that Brandon Allen is not going to be the backup quarterback. And honestly, I think that's a really good thing for that to happen. You got to think Joe is not going to enter his fourth NFL season as the starting quarterback. He has elevated himself to a beyond reasonable doubt, like that everybody kind of sort of felt like he was going to become. But this is really about. As the team grows, as Joe Burrow grows and as his experience grows, the team has to sort of grow around them, too, and that starts with backup quarterback as well, too. I don't think Brandon Allen is a guy that can come in and save you a game if Burrow were to go down with, like, an injury for like it miss a, a game or two. I just don't think he can. Now, he might get lucky, and we might cross it with a team that has a bad record that he might be able to squeeze out a victory in, but you got to start thinking beyond those terms, if you're going to really st- stabilize yourself as a contender in the AFC, especially you look across the landscape, you know, the Buffalo bills, I think they had case Keenum as the backup of the Josh Allen. We know Patrick Mahomes ha- has Chad Henney, who I think he would just announced his retirement. You had guys that can with starting NFL caliber experiences that actually won games that can come in and li- uplift your team for you, you know, and I'm just only just starting with those two, because we already know that the AFC sort of runs through those th- big three, and you have to sort of elevate yourself as a backup quarterback. Now they've brought some guys in, and I was really happy to see that. Um, they also had Trevor Simeon. I see a lot of Bengal fans talk about Trevor Simeon because they can't get that one game that he had against the Bengals in 2016 in week three. We threw four touchdowns. You know, that's, that sticks in the crawl with Bengal fans doing that back end of the Dalton Green era. I was just thinking about that game myself, and I was like, that was such an out-of-body experience for Trevor Simeon because – The guy is just not that great. And while I'm glad that they brought him in for a visit, they got to do more homework and really think about these draft prospects in the mid to late rounds or even in free agency. That if some guy doesn't cut it, like a Max Dugan, if he doesn't make it in the draft, that they are ready to pull the trigger and sign him to a um, college free agent deal. So, It's not a big thing that you need to just focus entirely on, but you got to start getting some more experiences and start developing a little bit more talent there because again, worst case scenario, if Burrow were to get hurt and that backup quarterback does come, come onto the fold and perform as well, like a Jimmy Garoppolo situation, you're going to get trade value out of that in a different, unique kind of way. It's like those old Patriots teams from the 2010s decade where Brady was the starter, but Garoppolo was still there. You had, Jacoby Brissett, he's getting started experience. That's because they develop a system. So it's a great way to kind of start a train, you know, because none of these guys are going to take over Joe Burrow's spot. But it's a great way to sort of start something to where you never know when you're going to need it until you're in that position.
1: And you know what? As you talk about it, it's it's like there's no real great options. I mean, who's, who's still out there? Like Simeon? I don't know. He, like you said, he had one good game. What are you feeling about tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals?
0: Well, let's think about this, guys. So, we went to Super Bowl in, in 2021, we went to the AFC Championship game in 2022, and you're going to get 28, 29, 30. You're going to get in that range, all right? And you're not going to get the, you're not going to get a Jamar Chase or a Joe Burrow or anything like that. So, sometimes you have to call on that best player available. But when you're looking at tight end, we got a draft one, obviously, all right? We signed Irv Smith to a one year deal, re signed Drew Sample, that was just recently. Uh, Irv Smith really you know hasn't been able to stay on the field that much during his career he's been you know banged up he's played banged up he's played it's it's an interesting look at this especially with those guys being on one year deals uh, the Bengals met with Dalton Kincaid from Utah who had some injuries during his college career but when he was on the field the man was a monster Michael Mayer. From the you know from the Cincinnati uh, greater Northern Kentucky area, went to Covington Catholic High School, uh you know great pass catcher from uh from the Fighting Irish and you know he would look good in 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 uh, in orange and black and the stripes. And then they also met with Sam Laporta uh, from Iowa. So I mean, they've met with a couple guys. They got some guys on their radar. We're gonna have to draft one of them. Uh, those are you know obviously one of those guys are gonna be plug and played you know week one and all. I mean, there, there's some good options that tie end. It in. It's just, it's a really deep class. And if some people are taking, you know, Michael Mayer at 21 or Dalton Kincaid at 24, our options are going to kind of get smaller and smaller, but you still got guys like Darnell Washington uh, and guys of that caliber and, and, and uh and Musgrave from uh, Oregon state. So it's a very deep tight end class, but it's a unique situation to be in for the Bengals with them letting Hayden Hurst walk, you know, and, and signing the deal in Carolina. So
1: I'm really interested to see what we do in the draft when it comes to tight end. I mean, based on what you're saying, probably some of those top-notch tight ends are going to go before we pick in the first round. Do you feel like we're going to be able to get our guy in the second round? If-
0: I mean, I think we could. I think we're going to have an opportunity, though, with it being you know late in the first round with a guy like a Michael Mayer, if he somehow does slip. I think we could get a a, a good tight end in the second round, but if a guy like a Kincaid or Mayer there, and our eyes are set on tight end. We
1: got to go get one of them. Hayden Hurst kind of introduced us to saying, "Hey, you get Joe Burrow a pass catching tight end, and this offense is now like double deadly."
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's interesting to think about. It. Like back in you know the Marvin Lewis days under the Andy Dalton AJ Green era, the Bengals had a whole you know their receiving core was was a basketball team. They would reference that all the time, talking about AJ Green, Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu. And and uh, Tyler Eifert, of course, when he was healthy. But you know, if we go out there and get a guy like Michael Mayer or or a Dalton Kincaid, you know, we're you know with him and T Higgins, uh, you know, as pass catchers, we're we're a pretty big unit there. And also having you know the likes of Jamar Chase and uh, and Tyler Boyd out there, it makes a really diverse uh, pass catching unit for going into this season. So it just depends on uh, what how high we have tight end on our radar. It's going to be pretty high, but it just depends on if we're going to go, you know best player available in the first
1: round if we're going to go tight end. So it should be interesting. What about safety? Are, are you a little worried about that? And what should we be doing? Uh,
4: you know, I, I feel like the 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 building right now is so happy with Dax Hill. I think they're more confident than we are as fans with what Dax Hill is going to do. So I'm a Michigan fan. So I, I got to see Dax Hill. He can do some special things. I like him as an athlete. <laughs> Getting the platoon, I think, this first year, get a little more meat on his body. He needed to to get in that weight room a little bit more. I think he's going to be a good player for us. Uh, Nick Scott also, um, you know, we're missing uh, Bell, and I I know that's a big spot to fill, but we got more athletic. I think we probably got a little bit better in coverage. Uh, It's bringing that person into the box, making those tackles up front. Um, So big time help there by signing our linebackers and keeping them where they're at. I think that gives them a little more flexibility. I personally think tight end, running back, cornerback, and tackle are are top four concerns. I think I'm looking into the draft at at maybe later down the road, maybe late day two or or maybe day three. So Jair Brown, I think uh, out of Penn State, probably the best in that area coverage-wise. But the guy I really like because he becomes that hybrid, and if you look at what Lou Anarumo likes to do, he loves having hybrid guys that can move around, play in coverage, get up front, move everything around. He's got safeties out that can play corner. Da-da-da-da. I love J.L. Skinner out of Boise State. 6'4", 220, ran a 4'4", 940. He can hybrid linebacker, safety. He can even come in and cover tight ends in the slot. And he can rush the passer. Thumper, I like him too. Now, if we don't get somebody early enough, my my sleeper, a little bit size uh, deficient, but Brandon Hill out of pit, he ran a 4-4-3 four, four, at the combine. Stout loves to come up in the box and hit. Um, only 510-193, but Plays bigger than that on film, and that's a sixth or seventh round guy that I think can add depth. And, and and with Michael Thomas still in that room, being the the vet and the leader and and stuff like that, I think someone later in those rounds could really learn from him and from uh, you know Coach Anaruma. I mean, who else would you rather learn from? So I think we can get good value and and a, a helpful piece in those later four, fifth, sixth rounds.
1: Yeah, good point. Because I'm worried if, you know, let's just assume that Scott and Hill have good seasons. If one of them goes down, you know, now you're looking, who do we have? Really? Brandon Tyson.
4: Wilson, yeah.
1: Who's not really a guy from scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Mike Thomas is not really a guy from scrimmage. And Tyson Anderson is a mystery right now because he was yeah. hurt his whole rookie year. So I think I think you nailed it. I think we grab one of the guys that you're talking about or something similar. And that'll give us just a little more depth and a little more security heading, heading into the season. And those are normally
4: good players on special teams, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, Brandon, I'm going to shoot right back to you. So let's talk about the free agents that we signed from other teams.
4: Listening to you a couple podcasts ago, I thought you made a, a great comment about now being a a place where people want to come play. We've got cornerback for 1.1 million. We've got a guard at 1.08. We got a tight end at 1.75 million. We got a safety for 4 million a year. And we got the best offensive lineman available in free agency for 16 million a year when a right tackle signed for 23 million a year. We saved 7 million to get the best left tackle. People want to come play in Cincinnati now. That the, the you know that, that wind of change has come in. People want to play with Joe Burrow. Um, you're seeing uh, you know now Katie Blackburn coming in and spending some more money on the facilities. Uh, when they got a bad, uh, as soon as they got a bad score on something from the NFLPA, they immediately addressed it. So those things are changing, and because of that, we're getting really good value with Orlando Brown, Nick Scott, I think Irv Smith. Sneakily might be the best signing that we had just because now we have an inline blocker. Now we signed Drew Sample back. We have a pass catcher now with Irv Smith. So now it's not such a need that we have to reach in round one. We can take best available if there's a splash player in round one and then still get somebody that's a solid contributor in round two.
1: Chase, what are your thoughts on what we've done in free agency so far?
0: Man, I echo all the sentiments that Brandon just said. I was, you know, the way that we were able to sign some of these guys, you know, some, you know, potential hidden gems all over the place. I think we did a a really good job with that, especially with Orlando Brown's contract. When you look at it being a four-year, $64 million deal, we gave him 31 mil up front. You know, the, the thing with the contracts, like, you know, there's a lot more that go into it, but when you're giving him 31 up front and you got the remaining half for four years, you're paying him 16 mil a year, but it's still, you know, being able to save that much money on, you know, compared to what the chiefs had to pay to bring in a guy like Jawan Taylor. That's a, that is a huge stick it right to him. They got a super bowl, but that's still a stick it to him. You know, when it comes to, comes to this season and also Irv Smith looking at him as a tight end, like, you know, hopefully with the tight end room, we're able, you know, able to keep him more healthy, you know, he'll be able to be more of a pass catching threat as well if he's able to stay healthy and just come in on some, you know, some situational stuff, I think he'll, uh, he'll be pretty good this season. You know, we look at how Nick Scott's going to be replacing a guy like Von Bell and Dax is going to be going, you know, in, in the place of Jesse Bates. I want to reference my guy Bengals Drake here uh, real quick. And he, you know kind of broke down the stats of these of these two nick scott and von bell so nick scott for the rams in 2022 started uh all 16 games gave up 323 yards three touchdowns allowed had two picks and two forced fumbles von bell played all 16 games and he gave up 374 yards only allowed a touchdown had two more interceptions and forced the same amount of fumbles pretty close when it comes to the type of production there i mean von bell obviously was a little bit better but still if you're saving that much money because von bell what did von bell get like five or six million carolina I, I think a year i think that's what he got and nick scott signed for three three or four so i mean you know you save some money when it comes to that regard when you're talking about building for your future with uh, with burrow higgins chase so that's a big thing there another one when it comes to depth on the defensive side of the ball signing terrell basham also you know in the rotation to you know get some pass rushing ability over there so I just thought that was a, a, a unique signing guy played at Ohio university. That's a unique signing there. Maybe you can get some, uh, some work in the pass rush game, but you know, overall, I think we had a bunch of, you know, we had a bunch of smaller signings that, you know, will hopefully amount to, you know, stack up as time goes on. And then you had the big, you know, the big fish in, in, in the water with Orlando Brown. So, I mean, I, I think it was a, uh, you know, a pretty good off season for us. Nothing too crazy, but
4: I think it was pretty good. I, I think I was coach to... Anarumo will put Nick Scott in, in positions where he'll make as many plays. I, what would he yeah. have done last year under Lou Anarumo? Yeah, exactly. I think that guy's doing a great job switching up coverages, disguising things. I think he does an yes. absolute. I mean, look at our second half. All of his in game adjustments are oh, spot Beautiful.
1: Off. Beautiful. Yeah. That's been the greatest part about coach Anarumo aside from like teaching and getting game plans coming into games. Those halftime adjustments, that's that's where your your bread is buttered and you earn your money, and he's been phenomenal at it. And, Chase, I like the the stack comparison with Bell and Scott. I didn't realize that they were fairly similar in production. You know, the thing about Von Bell that I like the most is he could kind of do it all. You know, he can cover, yeah. he can hit, he can defend the run, he can blitz, the whole thing. I guess we're going to cross our fingers and hope that Scott does the same, but the numbers that you bring up indicate that he has some of that ability as well. All right, let's talk about, our own players that we either re-signed or let get away. Justin, what are your feelings on our free agents and what we've done with them?
3: The price you got to pay when you're a great team is that other other players are going to want to come after your players, too. That's just the nature of being a great team. I, I just hope to God that we was able to keep Hayden Hurst because he was my favorite free agent signing up last year. We didn't make it happen, and that's okay. I'm actually really, really, really happy for those guys that signed the deals elsewhere. Jesse Bates, I know that he was in that contract situation for like the two straight off seasons. I don't necessarily place blame on anybody for that matter, whether it's the front office, the agent or the player. You know, it's just for whatever reason, it just didn't work out how we wanted to. We surely just wanted him here. But you know what? I'm so happy he got the bag in Atlanta. I'm going to be rooting for him to have a pro bowl caliber career kind of season, you know, reach new heights down in ATL help turn that team around. You know, Von Bell, I also would have loved to have kept him back because he was the catalyst that sort of kind of changed the secondary of last season. He was getting more turnovers, he was forcing fumbles more. I felt like he was just in the box making tackles. I loved everything about Von Bell 2022, but you know, he got a better offer in Carolina to help help them rebuild their their team. And I couldn't be more happy for him, you know? So those guys, I, I, I'm i forever happy that they were Bengals and that they donned the stripes. They have nothing bad that I got to say about in And P Piran, I, I can't forget about him, too. You know, I, word is that I think that the Bengals offered him a similar contract, and he chose to go to Denver because he didn't know what the status of Joe Mixon was going to be like. Totally respectable. I understand. You did one hell of a job here when you was with us, Samaj, and I, I can't thank you enough for covering for Joe Mixon while he was out, but the, the guy that I'm also really glad that we brought back was Jermaine Pratt, because I didn't know how that linebacker court was going to run without him. Yes, I like Logan Wilson. I also like the athleticism of Akeem Davis Gaither, but you needed, you needed that energy, and I think Jermaine Pratt brings that energy. He's made a lot of plays for you in big-time moments. Why not bring him back? So I'm happy that the Bengals made that move. You got to go into the situation understand that you can't keep everybody forever with the looming contracts of a Burrow and a Higgins. And I know we're going to talk about Chase the following year. You have to understand that there are going to be losses that's going to be made because I feel like that as long as I got Joe Burrow, as long as I don't put him in a situation where he got to deal with scrap peeps every year, my team is going to be competitive year in and year out. And he he said that in this press conference once upon a time ago, things are going to change year to year, but the Super Bowl window is our whole career, his whole career you know, and probably even beyond that. So it's a new standard here. And I'm not just as choked up about it and mad about it. Like some other fans are, I'm just, I'm happy. You spent a great amount of time here. I'm happy the guys will be kept and we just, we going for, we going for a championship in 2023, man. That's all I got to say about that.
1: Yeah. You know what? I, I appreciate that, that even the guys that left that you give respect to, because when guys leave the team, I kind of stopped caring about him. It's so weird. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but like even AJ green, like one of my favorite Bengals, Jordan, what are your thoughts on who
2: of our own guys who we've re-signed and who we've let go? I feel like, you know, some of the guys, you know, we re-signed to let go kind of just throughout all the free agency. It's just really been unpredictable and not what we thought was going to happen. We thought for sure, heading into the off season, well, Pratt's going to leave. He just posted so many, you know, Cryptic tweets and everything like that, there's no chance he's going to stay. We thought for sure, oh, Von Bell is going to stay. Then, you know, the opposite of both of those happening. You know, Jermaine Pratt has played really, really good each last couple of years. Every single year he's played, he's improved his tackling total from the year prior. You know, he's becoming one of the better linebackers in the league, and you look at him and Logan Wilson. They're one of the best linebacker duos in the NFL. Von Bell, I was really upset he signed with Carolina, and – it's kind of weird to me. I know y'all, you know, brought up some interesting stats comparing him to Scott, but I just feel like when you look at the money we saved signing Jermaine Pratt, you know, he's getting a little over seven million. We thought he was going to get twelve. You know, that extra money that we're saving from Jermaine Pratt could have went to Von Bell. The Bengals had enough money to sign Bell. It's kind of interesting they didn't do that. But when you look at Bell and you look at Jesse Bates, top ten safeties. When you look at safety snaps the last three years, Bell and Bates are two and three, and you lost both of them. That's, to me, a kind of a really intriguing you know, stat. It kind of uh, brings an interesting issue when you look at safety right now. Obviously, Bates, we expected him to go. But losing Bell is kind of a shock to everybody. I do not think anybody thought that was going to happen. And kind of the same thing with P. Ryan. You know, P. Ryan, I've said this many times. I was never really a big fan of him. And then this past season, he played better than Mixon did. I mean, uh, P. Ryan had as many 100-yard rushing games in the regular season as Mixon. That's just crazy. You know, he ends up signing with Denver. Probably get a more opportunity, like one of y'all said. You know, not sure the you know future of Mixon in Cincinnati. Hayden Hurst, that was kind of an interesting one. I'm glad we did not re-sign him, especially with that type of contract. I just thought that was a kind of a little bit of overpay there. But uh, you know, we get Urs Smith Jr., who I think could possibly have a similar uh, production like Hurst had this past season. And you know a guy who's you know not signed yet, who you know we don't know if he's going to you know come back, we don't know if he's going to leave he's Eli Apple. You know with Sidney Jones, you would kind of figure he's going to be a replacement for Eli Apple, but to me it's just kind of weird seeing Eli Apple play any other place aside from Cincinnati. I just feel like the Bengals. I don't know any other team who would really want Apple honestly, but I feel like you know you don't know if he's going to maybe you know resign, you know maybe during the season or maybe he signs after the draft or what. But that's something interesting there. And then Drew Sample, you know, he uh, re-signed a couple of days ago. I don't think that's a big deal at all. I don't think that changes the Bengals' draft philosophy at all because it's a one-year deal. He's never done anything uh, up until his whole career, so why would he? Why would the Bengals value him more now? Like I feel like that still doesn't rule out taking a tight end, maybe Kincaid or Michael Mayer around one. But yeah, this Bengals, you know, when you look at the players, they re signed and let go. It was really not what we expected. Jordan, that's a great take on that, because you're exactly right. I thought, like, P. Ryan was
1: automatic to come back. I thought Bell was automatic. And like you, I thought Pratt was heading out the door because of all of his tweets. You're right. It was it was just a total, the total opposite of what most Bengal fans thought was going to happen. So I agree with you on that. And you bring up one of my favorite topics to talk about. And I don't know if I'm tripping. I don't know what's going on. But Eli Apple, I feel is a quality player for this team. And, you know, everyone just goes off reputation that he was a bust with the Giants and the Saints and Carolina, wherever he went. But if you think about it, he was the starting corner for us for a Super Bowl run and an AFC championship run. You know, you look at what we did to wide receivers over the last two seasons. There hasn't been a lot of guys lighting us up. But I think that Eli Apple is a quality player. No one in the league wants him. And we can get him for cheap and we can put him into a starting position. So, Jordan, I know your your take on him. Let's just very quickly blast along everyone else because it's one of my favorite topics. In a sentence or two, Chase, what are your thoughts on Eli Apple? At the right price, bring him
0: back. He knows the system. Lou Anarumo has done a good job with him. Eli, we also give him some credit. He's come a long, a long way himself. I mean, if it's at the right price, I'd bring him back. Justin?
3: I am not opposed to bringing back the book of Eli as well too, especially if this is anticipating the who had a final season as our defensive coordinator before he is off for a head coaching job elsewhere. You know what? Like, why not? You know if it, it like Chase just said, if the price is right, and we already got our quality depth pieces and starters in place. Because now that you lost a safety tandem in Bell and Bates, you got to start getting stronger at the corners, starting with Cam Taylor-Britt and Shadowvia Uzay, and maybe a first or second round corner, whoever how that may shake out. But I'm I'm with Chase and, uh, and everybody else on that, and if the price is right, I'm okay with bringing them back.
4: Brandon? Cornerback is very strong in this draft, and I think that we're going to draft a corner in the first three or four rounds that's going to probably get that playing time. And I will also say I don't share the love that's on this panel. Uh, for Eli Apple, my girlfriend thinks that he has a four-letter first name. So – I I'm good with watching him right off in the sunset. Now, maybe if he was more likable, he might get more of a pass, but man, he just won't. It's just, yep, 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 yep. Let's go back to really
1: what everyone wants to talk about. And we're going to start with Jordan because I know this is right up your alley. If
2: you were Mr. Tobin, how would you approach the 2023 draft? Um, it's interesting because to me i feel like there's three things best player available all options are on the table and don't fix it because best player available you always draft best player available, pretty much no matter what and you know if you're getting a best player available you know they, it might not help your team right away but they're going to help your team in the future look at the patriots for so many years they drafted best player available That was one reason why they were good for so long. They had maybe a great, uh, great running back. You know, they had a good running back, but this guy shouldn't be here. They take him, and their running back, you know, you know, tandem is one of the best in the league. They just constantly get better and better and better. Uh, You sign needs, you draft talent. It's kind of my philosophy when it comes to the draft. When you look at all options are on the table, I would not hate the idea that Bengals traded back, uh, maybe. The last two of the first round or maybe the second round, I know it's an unpopular opinion because if you trade back in the second round, you're losing the fifth year option. But when you look at the Bengals, they traded back in 2017, uh, 18, 19, and 2021 with their second round picks. This pick is pick 28. It's basically a second round pick. You're getting their you know, second round talent probably with that pick. You know, it's very possible the Bengals maybe could trade back because history, you know, on, on its side, you know, it's something the Bengals have liked to do this past couple of years, especially ever since Zach Taylor took over. And really don't fixate to me. I feel like that is really a key importance heading into the draft. When you look at Billy Price, that I did not like that pick at all. They it because, you know, Frank Ragnow was the pick before. They took Price when they could have traded back and got him. When you look at, you know, Jackson Carmen, they you know, fixated on him and they went ahead and took him, even though they could have, you know, took him later in the draft. Look at Drew Sample, terrible pick. They could have got him literally two rounds later. You can't fixate on the draft, especially in the first couple rounds when those are the best players on the board. And it's interesting because you don't know really how the Bengals want to approach the draft. Maybe have a maybe kind of a general idea, but, you know, I I feel like whoever says – You know, the Bengals, oh, they're for sure going to get this player, that player. I I feel like you're crazy because right now I feel like all options really are on the table for Cincinnati. That's the one kind of interesting thing about draft for the Cincinnati right now. It's just so unpredictable. And there's so many different scenarios uh, that could be, you know, happening for Cincinnati with 28. Chase, what are your thoughts?
0: I echo all the same sentiments that Jordan had there. I think best player available is obviously the thing we got to go with at 28. That could be at a couple of different positions. It could mean if Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid's still there, we take one of those guys. I mean, I'm assuming one of those guys might be gone, but if, you know, the others, others there, we take him. That could end up being an offensive tackle. Like a Dewan Jones, if he's still there. I know we haven't had great history with Ohio State offensive linemen as it's, as it's been shown. Uh, you know, Isaiah Prince, Billy Price, there's so many other names to throw out <laughs> there, man. It's, it's, it's something else. But, I think it, you look at either tight end offensive attack or someone that we didn't expect. But like you said, you know, I, I really like what Jordan said, though, when it came to the, you know, you uh, you uh, sign needs and draft talents. So that could yeah. that could be someone that's way out of, you know, way off the fans board. You know, obviously, it's, you know, the Bengals board they're going to be looking at. I also think, you know, when when it comes to corner, we're going to go look in sec, uh, the second or third round. And a lot of talk's been going along with uh, Emanuel Forbes. A lot of people have wanted to link Emmanuel Forbes in a Bengals uniform from Mississippi State. And, I mean, who who's not to say that he could end up coming there? So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I'm just kind of taking it by taking it by ear and just kind of sitting back and watching and be like, eh, let's see what happens, man. Let's let's get some talented guys in there and let's get
1: the work. Justin, what, do you, what are your thoughts on what we're going to do on this draft or what would you do? I am going to go with the philosophy that PFF loves to state. Uh, because
3: this has been something I've been saying, and you know, just like what Jordan and Chase has said too about you signing needs and your draft talents, your your needs has to match the value. When you, especially in the first round, when you're going into the draft, my philosophy is who has the most value out of the picks. You're, you can you have needs who satisfies the best needs, who is the most talented. That's usually a luxury, but then who addresses the who has the biggest value of the pick. That's how I tend to evaluate first rounders or just the draft initially. Like if this pick makes sense, I just developed a draft crust with Kalaji Kansi out of pit because I understand that he has a guy that, that people got like a little shaken off because he has shorter arms. But I just think that the need and the value just matches together. And if you line a guy like him next to DJ reader and with Sam Hubbard and Trey Henderson, as our edge pieces. We already have the depth rotations there with Joseph Asai there. So, I really like that as a draft value pick for the Bengals in the first round, but I'm not sure he might not be there at 28, but like Chase said, it's going to be one of those things where it's like I'm not going to really force myself to hope that the Bengals take this player if they don't, then I'm going to just be mad. I just don't want them to take players like like Jordan said about Drew Sample a few years ago back when we took him in the second round. It, 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 if it doesn't make sense, just don't do it, okay? That's what frustrates me when it comes to sometimes with the Bengals draft picks is that there's obvious talent that's staring you right in the face and you taking a guy that doesn't make any sense. You outthinking yourself at this point. When we took Jackson Carmen in the second round after we took Jamar Chase, I was team Chase for the very same reason that a lot of people were saying to us, this is a deep talent class at tackle. You can take a tackle in the second round and you chose the wrong one. You could have taken – the guard, I mean, the center and guard, Creed Humphrey, that ended up going to the Chiefs. I personally voted for Sam Cosme, who went to Washington, and you just kind of left pitch and yourself with a guy that you don't know what you're going to do with him, whether he's going to play backup left tackle or not even see the field at all. So it's those things where it's like, I get what you're trying to do, but sometimes the answer is just take the best player available like everyone else just said, and don't overthink it. This is going to be a fun draft pick because if they do go corner in a draft, I'm not going to be mad at that because uh, Cheeto, he's going into the final year of his contract coming off of a torn ACL or torn Achilles. He's missed the whole season. You would hope that he'll be back playing at a high level that he was before, but those are tough injuries to come back from. So you have to be prepared in a different way. And again, like I said, you got to make that corner room stronger because the safeties are going to be growing and going through their growing
1: pains. So we'll see how they address it. Brandon, what are your thoughts if you were Mr. Tobin and you were running this draft?
4: Well, you know, I refer to um, Burrow's first two seasons, Breaking Burrow season one and Breaking Burrow season two. And I was one of those guys that was pounding the table for Sewell. And I'm here to say I was completely wrong. So at twenty eight where I think they can make a big splash. And if a running back falls, if it's Jameer Gibbs, or somehow I've seen uh, B. John Robinson fall to us, if that happens, I'm cool with taking it. That's electric. Where I really want to go, though, is Michael Mayer. That's what I. That's my shot. If that doesn't happen, I agree with Jordan. I'm cool with stepping out. If we can get somewhere in the, the, the early second round at 33-35 pick and trade down to get more draft capital, we're gonna have it's a 224.8 million dollar salary cap this year. If you project that out, probably gonna be 240, 250 in two years. We're gonna have almost half of that tied up in three guys if I get my way. Joe Burrow over 50 a year, 30 plus to Jamar Chase, 20 plus to Higgins. So if we got 110, 100 plus, you know, tied up in those guys. We're going to need draft capital as much as we can get because you're going to have to have good young players playing on rookie deals.
1: We've all been thinking about the future when we re-sign these guys, but I never really put the numbers together like that. When we re-sign those three guys, and we will, there's not a lot to play with after that. And you're right, we got to hit on some of these younger guys, totally.
4: And like you were saying, we got to have those guys willing to come play with us and ride with Burrow to try to get that ring. That are, that are good vets playing on those one, two, dollars deals. That's big. Any final
2: words, and what can people expect from the sports dude's hindsight show? Uh, yeah, you can expect, you know, hopefully a decent amount of dra- draft content for the draft, you know, just in about 10, 11 days or so. And, you know, just different Bengals content and different things like that, different perspectives, different things that people maybe aren't really talking about, different, you know, ideas throughout the draft, you know, Hopefully lots of bingo content and everything like that as we, you know, once the drafts are with and once we get closer to the regular season. How do people find you on social media? On The Sports Dude Hind Show on Instagram, S Dude Hind Show on Twitter, and then my YouTube. My YouTube, I'll have a little bit of everything. I might, you know, be talking about the Bengals, but then I might be talking about maybe wrestling or maybe just different stuff, random things, and stuff like that. On YouTube, the Sports Dude Hind Show, uh, you can check it out there.
1: Chase, what can people expect from the Cut to the Chase podcast?
0: So what you can expect is, you know, like I say in my show all the time, unique insight and analysis behind your favorite teams and all that. My favorite team is the Bengals, obviously. So you'll expect some Bengals content, of course. Um, you know, when it comes to the Bengals Blitz nights, you'll you'll see some stat. It's a numbers breakdown, some stat breakdown. You'll see you guys on the show. We'll have other people on the show. You know, I talk a lot about uh, you know the NFL when it comes to a broadcasting standpoint because I love that stuff. Broadcasting numbers behind that stuff, primetime games, Sunday night football, Monday night football. I got a crazy mind for that. I'll tell you guys something about that after the show. And then also just on the the normal cut to this J Sports podcast, you guys can find a ton of college football content, interviews with former college NFL players, guys in the industry from CBS, Fox, NBC. We got some guys on there, so. You'll find a little bit of everything on the, uh, on our show.
1: How do people find you on social media?
0: Well, on social media, you can uh, you know follow us on uh, on Instagram at cuttothechase.podcast. On Twitter, you can go to cuttothechasesp. And then my personal account, Seance20 on Instagram, post a lot of stuff on there about the podcast and a lot of different links uh, to those places. So, yep, yeah, that's where you guys can find me.
1: Brandon, I know you're... As I said, you're a veteran of the podcasting industry, but now you're launching your own show. What can people expect from this running through the jungle show?
4: I'm going to be talking a lot about the Bengals, where we're at now, where we want to go, and how we're going to get there and how we're going to sustain it. That'll be most of my outside of uh, the the season. But when we're in season, you're going to get a little bit more. I'm going to have some uh, guests on from – our opposing teams uh, during the week, doing some chats with them uh, and taking a look at matchups. And, uh, you know, being a degenerate, you're probably going to see some of my favorite prop bets for the week as well, working on a little <laughs> segment with that.
1: What can we expect from the big Bengal theory, Mr. Justin Lacey?
4: I am a passionate individual when it
3: comes to, especially when it comes to the Bengals. You're going to get a, You're going to get a very inclusive Bengal fan that I'm going to tap into the emotion side quite a bit. Um, i'm very infectious i know how to connect with people on a philosophical approach you know just to be able to think themselves out of, the, out of the box the title of the big bangle theory podcast is more predicated beyond a belief of there are so many different kind of theories that many of us as fans don't really see that we should connect ourselves to because it's fun you know it also connects to real world experiences as well and you know my podcast i i want to try to tap into that it's I'm excited about this ever-growing change um, that we're into this world, but I'm also more or less excited that what that's going to do for this network, you know, just a platform. It can be a safe space to talk about quite a number of different things that all ties right back to our, our passions as football fans and Bengal fans. You know, even if we're talking about stuff like mental health, you know, that's a broad topic in and of itself, that is kind of taking a whole league by storm in this society. But we can talk about a little bit of that on this show, you know, because again, it's theoretical. It's not necessarily something that is predicated on all these facts and stuff, but it can be so much of what you want it to be. And I do plan on having a number of different types of guests on the show, but being a newer voice into the podcasting industry, I'm just excited just to get myself out there and
1: just to introduce myself to everyone. So be on the lookout. The network is called the Fans First Sports Network. And the Bengals division of that network is called the Unofficial Bengals Network. So everyone out there, check it out. You're not just going to hear me talking. You're going to hear these four brilliant Bengal analysts talking about the season and all things Bengals. So it's been a pleasure. And my name is Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life.
2: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.